It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. Welcome back to Do the Evolution. I'm your host, Jason Lang, and this week I'm excited to talk with Michael Porcelli, an organizational consultant, facilitator, and coach. Michael and I are old friends that met in the world of integral theory, men's work, and authentic relating. And he recently shared online some sharp insight about his experience of the new movie, The Joker, that was quite different than my own. So I invited him on for us to get right into it. So yeah, Michael, I'm so excited to uh, be chatting with you today about The Joker, um, one of the kind of most, probably the most talked about movie of the year, hands down already. Um, You know, really, since last year, people were kind of talking about it a bit, but then the second it hit the Venice Film Festival and got the Golden Lion, conversation really exploded. And you and I had been chatting online a little bit about um, our various kind of impressions of the film and the way it impacted us. And I thought, okay, this this is a guy who's had a slightly different experience of the movie from me, but is one of the sharpest minds I know. So he's one I'd like to talk to about this in a, in a deeper sense, because there's so much happening in this movie specifically. So to start with, I'm just curious um, for you to share, you know, kind of how the movie landed for you and how it impacted, impacted you as you were in the theater. Cool. Well, I avoided most of the talk before I went in and I've been kind of a comic book genre fan for a long time and I was really excited about this take so I was just kind of going in really open and I left feeling like a viscerally affected emotionally experience Um, not exactly kind of a pleasant experience but a compelling one there was at least a few scenes where I felt like my hair stand on end or like that sensation of your skin kind of crawling like from head to toe. I totally had those experiences in a number of of key scenes and moments. And um, just to kind of watch his slide into. I, I just think of it as his fate, right? It was mm-hmm. just I, it was like I couldn't look away. I sort of felt like oh no, like it, this is unavoidable on the one hand, but like I just didn't want it to happen. Uh, and so just kind of this dread of him fulfilling his destiny kind of overtook me by the end. And I had moments where I felt a little nauseous. I had moments where I felt uh, like pain, like like a punch to the gut or just kind of re- like revolted by him in his final form. Um, but yeah, in that sense, if this is a villain origin movie, then there's sort of like a a way that I'm observing this happen to myself, feeling incredibly satisfied. Like I I needed and wanted a Joker origin to really feel like horrible. And it totally worked. And I love it. <laughs> totally. That's that um that's great. I love I, I love how clearly you kind of walked us through your experience. And that's where that's where for me, I, I, I had some hesitation going into this because um, mm-hmm. the, the kind of closest correlate, I'd probably say, of at least my expectation for going into this movie 
um, in where I have some very conflicted feelings, even though he's a fucking genius. Well, actually, both of them are geniuses, I would say, would be Tarantino and Scorsese, two, yep. two directors who are kind of renowned for their skill and also renowned for their violence. Like their movies yeah. are very, very, very violent. And I would say more so with Tarantino um, than even Scorsese, but definitely in some of Scorsese's stuff. One of the troubling things for me, which they kind of epitomize, but I've always found to be, I mean, it's kind of baked into cinema as a cinephile mm-hmm. myself in, in, in a lot of sense, is the, the marriage of kind of pleasure and violence of, Mm. seeing the pleasure on the screen actually causes a certain amount of pleasure in us as a viewer. So I was going in kind of conflicted, right? Like, okay, is this movie, how's it going to pull this off? Um, Like, is it um, really going to turn us off or is it going to kind of turn us on, so to speak? Mm -hmm. And I was mostly turned off and uh, not even in the way I like really, really like. Uh, of mm-hmm. like feeling incredibly challenged by it. Um, like, you know, some of my favorite movies are like dark stuff. Like I love Requiem for a Dream. I love things mm-hmm. that just assault your nervous system and kind of face you with the shadow. Um, but my thing in here was, and this is where I think it'll be fun to debate, is I felt like the formal structure of the movie was really supporting that getting pleasure out of him becoming the worst version of himself, which was the best version of himself in some ways, in terms of the music, the cinematography, and even the costume design, truth be told. Um, mm-hmm. And that left me kind of having a mixed, a mixed bag. And then going on, you know, obviously this is asking for trouble, but then going on somewhere like Twitter and seeing the response to some of those scenes as they were like the most beautiful heroic things they've ever seen and feeling like scared like oh my god what is this going out into the culture and doing yeah yeah i i kind of get it i mean i think i'm trying to like detect what was there a note inside of me that was like felt attracted or like almost uh appreciative or uh, to him there was some amount i i think if there's like a reflection of my own shadow the the places where i have in my younger years especially just felt resentment uh, towards the world kind of a like a teenage style of angst the world is stacked against me and i just want to like break it for some reason like um now I never even came close to acting out on those things, except in kind of trivial ways. But like in that part, I could imagine, especially let's just say like a 20 year younger version of myself or something, maybe feeling even more uh, attracted or like appreciative of what happens to Arthur Fleck when he's transforms into Joker but from this side of my this period of my life, I guess, like that was only a, a minor part of it. I think it was partly what was hypnotic about him. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I was. Um, it was it, I, I did not admire him when he got to the end. I actually sort of felt 
very much how Murray at the end is just like, hey, it just sounds like you're making an excuse, like cheap excuses for just shooting people. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, just imagine like a like a screed written by like a, a teenage shooter shooting up a school or something like that. And you read it and you kind of go like, yeah, this this philosophy does not add up. Right. This is just kind of the ravings of a young kind of overly testosterone soaked brain or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that last scene in particular, and you know, spoiler warning: we're we're just going to talk about the whole movie because that's yep. There's no way to not to. Uh, that was where actually it lost me a lot. In fact, it was it was huh. those last scenes, um, in particular, the way they had set him. One of the things. So, so much going on for me in this. Right there's the yeah. cultural implications, and then there's the you know I'm a filmmaker. I, like to consider myself um, a cinephile and then there's the the filmmaking itself in the in the screenplay and like what was it doing what was it trying to do was it effective in that and one of the conflicts i found was um it felt like they were trying to have it both ways Um, Mm. even even with his mental health and intelligence so to speak of setting him up as being someone who struggled with mental health had a very hard time writing um but then you know coming out with this very eloquent philosophical thing at the end which to me i was like oh that that's the that's the screenwriter talking that doesn't actually feel like arthur fleck uh, mm-hmm. which maybe that's part of the point because at that point he's supposed to be somebody else but mm-hmm. that was one moment where i was like oh this doesn't it doesn't feel like him like it doesn't feel like something that would come from that consciousness um mm-hmm. And I'm curious how that landed for you. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't take it as being all that eloquent, I guess. That was a little bit of the difference. I mean, it definitely was a different voice that was coming through. And I think you, you sort of sh- saw him shift his identity. I think it, when he uh, kills his mom in the hospital room, he says, Mom, you said that something about me being happy or I don't know. He just was like, this is that thing you thought wasn't me. That is actually me. Right. Yeah. And then when he kind of gets up on stage, he sort of just sounds he's doing that little Murray, that voice kind of like making fun of the whole situation. He's telling these jokes that are just kind of stupid. Like it's a it's a juvenile eloquence. And I'm like, that does sound like him. Like it didn't sound like he's saying something profound and meaningful except that maybe that would sound profound and meaningful to a a 17 year old disaffected dude or something you know what i'm saying like yeah and i guess well that's the interesting piece then is does it like will it right and how will that land as oh he was right so everything mm-hmm. he did was right you know wh- one of the things i had um posted to you that i did find pretty troubling was I felt like the formal structure of the movie actually worked very hard to keep him likable, even when he went villainous. Uh And what I mean by that is, um, you know, there's there's a couple different murders throughout the film Uh that are um, kind of steps along his journey, so to speak, to to becoming the 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 villain he is. And the first one, I felt like, okay, they they worked pretty hard to justify it. Um, White, rich males who are Wall Street snobbery. And 
there's a, a bit of a layering of kind of Occupy Wall Street class stuff, but it, it kind of felt sprinkled on to me. So I was like, okay, sure. but that's one where I feel like we could all, yeah, you know, it's okay, not too bad, right? Yeah, right. Except, feel- except for the third guy, right? He hits the third guy in the leg. And then he chases him down to kill him. But the first two, yeah, self-defense excuse works. Yeah, totally. But oh, they're bad guys, right? They're so bad. it's, it's yeah. okay um, for yep. for us to kill them yep. in that sense. And then even the second person, who's his coworker, who manipulates him and kind of takes advantage of him, mm-hmm. they um, set him up to be a pretty shady dude. So again, he's he's kind of getting what's coming to him. He lied. He he manipulated Arthur. We don't even really know why he manipulated Arthur other than to kind of be a dick. Um, hmm. Then he doesn't kill his other friend there mm-hmm. because he's the only person that was ever nice to me. Um, and they make kind of a big shock scare out of what may or may not happen there. That's yeah. somewhat comedic, somewhat not. And yeah. I was like, okay, okay, you know, they're gone here. Um, and then even with Murray, you know, they're trying to walk a fine line of even Murray is using Arthur, right? So yes. he's this kind of big talk show host that is um, using this man's misfortune as a source of comedy, yeah. right? And so there's even a little bit of justification there. Now, what really struck me um, was A, and this is where we can go into like, oh, was this even the Joker? Was this an inspiration for someone that would become the Joker based on, you know, the end of the film um, was kind of what they didn't show. Mm -hmm. And in specific, you know, that starting to give him a moral code. So not killing the person who was nice to him, Mm -hmm. like as a Joker attribute feels totally misaligned to me Mm. um, in terms of that character, at least in the comic book world. And then the moment they really lost me that I was like, ah, really? Was what they didn't show of the woman on his floor, Mm -hmm. which they leave very ambiguous, right? There's there's clearly been what we assume is a hallucination based on the structure of the movie and what they're supporting and what they're mirroring possibly happened with his mother and Thomas Wayne. And then they just cut. And... There is no resolution on what happens with that person or with that character. Right. And that's where I actually felt, oh, they're not nearly as brave as they think. If they really wanted to take me on a journey and make me identify with this person and then have that happen, someone who did not deserve it, someone who had a daughter in the room, like I would have been ultra uncomfortable. Like that would have been one of the most disturbing things I've probably ever been led through in cinema. And the fact that they didn't go there, I felt kind of told me where the heart of the movie really was of, oh, we want you to mostly like him. Yes. And if you like him enough, you'll want to watch the movie again. You'll want to tell your friends to watch the movie again versus, you know, some of these more extreme movies, stuff like The Woodsman or Requiem or even Mother, I would argue to an extent, don't really want to watch them again afterwards right it's such an assault into that type of energy and that's where i was feeling the the conflict of just being a comic book movie which i actually would have been okay with and all this layering on of but it's so deep 
It's about mental health. It's about all these other things. And I was like, I just don't, I just don't buy it. I think we're, yep. I, you know, my story is we're projecting a lot of depth onto it because there's a lot happening in our culture, but the structure of the film isn't quite as ballsy as we think it is. Yes. I, well, what's, there's a few interesting things in what you're saying. And I, I think I just, I largely agree with your take, except that there's another thing I would add, which to me makes the, all of that work. But let me just kind of back up a few of these here. Like, I agree if they had shown him kill Sophie, I think it was, uh, that it would have been much darker. It would have been like Joker really is that bad. And I can see what you're saying. Like, it's sort of um, not as ballsy. Like, they could have gone all the way and they kind of held it back in order to still have Joker be sympathetic through the end. Uh, or you can, you can make the argument that he's sympathetic. He's sparing some people. Or like when he spares yeah. uh, the short guy from work um, when he kills the other one. But even even this one with him, even that guy that he kills, you're saying like, oh, it's clear that he's a bad guy. But even there, there's like a little hole where uh, when he gets fired from work, the guy says that that his boss said that his coworker who gave him the gun said he was asking for that gun. And you're like, if you believe this, the the Joker POV that we get in the movie, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that guy deserves to die because he lied to entrap Arthur Fleck. But maybe or maybe Arthur Fleck was asking for a gun and we only saw him just get handed a gun. And this is kind of where. Partly based on what is not shown or how the story is constructed, it's. And this, I think it is so Joker POV that it is him telling the story to us in order to, it is walking this line. It's like he kind of wants you, he's sort of daring you to be sympathetic with him, right? But he's also showing that he can't be quite sympathized with, right? It's not like a straightforward hero's like, uh, he's not like the hero of the underclass in a kind of a, just a strictly positive sort of vigilante yeah. Batman way, right? <laughs> or whatever. He's he kind of he is really bad, right? So if you if you see it as like Joker's joke on us, he's got to tempt us to be sympath sympathetic with him, but then he also has to challenge us to not be. And like I think. If that is intentional on the part of the movie makers, it's it's easy for me to go into this interpretation if I think the movie makers are just trying to channel the Joker's voice himself. Then it actually is really easy for me to, to buy this. Like he's he's lying. Like what is being shown on screen versus what is not being shown on screen is not entirely true. And it's totally consistent with other depictions of Joker, like Heath Ledger making up his backstory several times. Yeah. Scars. Also, in The Killing Joke, he says something like, I prefer my origin to be like a multiple choice. Like, so he totally is an opportunistic teller of his tale when he's saying why he is the way that he is. And I think we, the whole movie is another version of that that can't fully be taken at face value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I, I get that. I think that's a valid, like, to me, what that does is it makes it um, a great comic book movie. 
which it right. is. Yeah. Um, what it less has is the social significance. I see a lot of people trying to, at least I've experienced, mapping onto it online, that this is the most important movie about men's health and mental health and violence and what we're doing to men that I've seen um, mm. that I just, I just don't buy it, you know? And that's where I kind of feel troubled of, um, and even some of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Todd Phillips? Yeah. I think, right, even some of his initial responses were, uh, were not that inspiring in, in terms of um, his version you know, uh, of defending some of this violence, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it's just like, did we just create another cool, justified villain? Because there are the layer, and this is where, you know, chatting with someone like you who knows about levels of consciousness, I think is really important because there's the intention of the creator mm -hmm. and the intent of the work. And then there's how is it landing in culture? Mm -hmm. And my, you know, my legitimate worry is in a time where we already have enough dissociated masculine that this just feeds it. The, the, mm -hmm. This just feeds that when it's justified, you can kill people. Hmm. Yes. Uh, so you're... <laughs> I think one place where we may just end up agreeing to disagree at the end here is I, I, I definitely am biased towards the comic book movie interpretation of it, in which case it really yeah. works for me. Uh, and the social significance side of it, um, I there's a lot of things. You picked out one particular theme about like, what does it say about uh, mental health, especially about men or the development of men or something like that. And, and I can definitely read it in that way, but it's kind of unsatisfying to read in that way. Like I could, I could read it in that way. It's like, oh, this is uh, sympathy for the disaffected incel or whatever. And it's like, well, is that a good message or a bad message? Do we want to, do we want people to like reach out to their local incel and be nicer to him or? maybe that is in there or do we are we yeah. now afraid that like we're going to get some more shootings by these type of dudes and i think that particular issue you can kind of see the political reading on both sides of that particular issue in the press about this movie yeah agreed yeah but i don't think it clearly takes a position either way and i kind of don't think it does on purpose like I've read a whole lot of them. even my uh, I had a conversation with my cousin, but his initial take was this is a criticism of Trump. Trump <laughs> is a clown. Tom, uh, yeah. Thomas Wayne is like a Trump like figure. You could say Arthur Fleck becomes like a Trump like figure. He's kind of this big troll just trolling the public. Um, that sort of thing. I was like, that's an interesting take. That's not one that I've seen a lot of, but I could see that as well. Um, this I, this other one. uh it was, I think it was on New York Times. Somebody was saying, like, here's what it seems like it's, you know, the authors are intending to say about mental illness, but they're inadvertently saying this other thing about race and white supremacy. And they kind of read in this whole thing about the the subway murders and it kind of calls yes. back to this thing. I can't remember his name from the 80s. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. The, I, I totally, I've been reading the same articles. But I can't yep, think yep. Of the guy's or, name. or the Central <laughs> Park Five of those those Latino yeah. kids that beat him up, and this kind of what is it actually saying that you know, we're still centering on this disaffected white man? These in these kind of like, I, I think it's no mistake that there's there's actually four female speaking roles, uh, person of color, female speaking roles in this movie, it's, and the very significant one, which is which is Sophie, like. What is it? What is it inadvertently saying about that? That they're kind of almost these disposable things, and and like, what do we make of that? Right? Like, and I think this again is um, if I go to this point of view where I'm like, this is the Joker's voice. I want to make it. I'm gonna add another characteristic of Joker. He uses media. Like, do you remember when he did like the hostage video, the Heath Ledger fo- Joker, yeah. at least two hostage videos. Jack Nicholson Joker did this uh, commercial for the Joker <laughs> gas. And he's done TV things uh, before to kind of rile up the public at large. It's a characteristic of Joker. So if we see the movie itself as like it's intentionally push. It's like begging to be interpreted politically. Like you can't not do it. Like, yeah, it's like a super attractor for political interpretation, but it doesn't add up. This is, and this is kind of the critics are kind of like, I don't even know what to make of this. It's just saying inconsistent things. Is I can't like fit this into a, a kind of message that I could get behind in any one way or another about mental health or race or class is this you know is is this like a, a deplorables rebellion or is this an occupy wall street rebellion like which is it i can i don't know and i'm like that's on purpose it, it's like it it falls apart every time you try to read in something and then it turns us all kind of against each other debating about the meaning of it which is exactly what the joker would do yeah <laughs> Totally. I, I, I love the read from, from that side and I get it. And then, you know, for me, it's like, so what? So what? Uh, and this is a feeling I, you know, and this is where it starts to plug into grander um, or bigger patterns in comic book and moviness mm-hmm. of, you know, part of how I, I experienced this movie was, oh, it's a Marvel movie. It's literally mm-hmm. just the inverse, right? It's just the anti-hero version, but like mm-hmm. beat by beat by beat, it, almost exactly the same. And I kind of left with the same feeling of, oh, sugar. I just had some sugar and I'll forget that and I'll never watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, which for me is like, ah, I'm dying, I'm dying to have a movie that has something deeper to say or does take a stand. And, you know, his jokerness, like, it's it's t- it's tough for me to fully buy that because of even the the narrative the formal structure of the movie shows us right certain things are true and not true, mm-hmm. which to me is them taking a perspective on what the perspective is, if that makes sense, right? You're talking like, about when they do the flashback of the hallucinations with Sophie or something like that. Yeah, with Sophie, and then mirroring, you know, the photo of Thomas Wayne and the the possible exact recreation that his mother may have experienced. You know, she's yeah. she's schizophrenic as well, and he gave her a photo and wrote something nice, and she invented a whole relationship. Do we know? We don't know. Maybe they did have a relationship. 
Maybe there's a whole power dynamic of the upper class versus the lower class there. That's a um, hashtag me too read in of that the movie also right there if you want it. Yeah, very power exactly, very very powerfully. Um but the fact that they 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 choose to show specifically the Sophie stuff is true and not true. Mm-hmm. To me um shows that we're not actually in the Joker's POV for the movie. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like they're actually who is yep. seeing him on the street without Sophie then? Um, right. Which, you know, this is some formal stuff. But to me, that was like, okay, they're not, they're not really going, like, I'd be all in if they were really just fucking with us and, and kind of left those things. But mm-hmm. I was kind of left with this, this so what-ness, um, which maybe is the point of the Joker, uh, the, the ultimate nihilist, of, yep. okay, well... So we're not sure were these people good to him or bad to him? Because the other thing that feels really inconsistent to me is, um, you know, so much talk about how badly he was treated. And most people are actually quite nice to him in Mm -hmm. in the movie. Like that Mm -hmm. that was another inconsistency I found of, um, you know, his social workers may be a little detached, but she's like making eye contact, consciously checking in with this man. And getting paid little to nothing, you know, over and over and over. His boss, even that fires him, wants it to work out for him. Like he's a, he's actually quite um, affable to him, it, even in that scene. I, I would argue. And so that was where another place where I got a little like they're telling us he was mistreated. So then we get to go on this journey, but I didn't actually see it that much, other than people stealing his sign in the beginning. And then some Wall Street people kind of being dicks. Um, And and that's where, for me, it would have been way more like to the jugular if I got to go on that journey of mistreatment for him. If, and then they pulled that away from me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, let me me see if I'm getting, so, I mean, there's a couple of things you said. One is that it's not strictly POV because of the flashbacks where Sophie disappears. I'm like, okay, that's like a film construction thing. That makes sense. My theory, you have to, you actually have to kind of buy into Joker would then do that on purpose as the, which would be really fuckery, right? Like, why would he do that? I don't know, maybe. Um. And then I think the mistreatment thing. I think it's partly. Told and partly. uh, Shown, you know, there definitely are people that do mistreat him, but I think if I heard you straight, it would have been more powerful in a way if he was. Genuinely like painted as oppressed or a sympathetic character who really was getting kind of shit, shit on, on the whole time. And then, and then what would have happened? That would have been satisfying. How would it have been pulled away from you in a way that the, would... the, the tension of identifying with someone who had been down and then makes the choice I would never make, so to speak, like that would have been more of a visceral gut punch on me. To have mm. to keep identifying with someone whose side I was really, really on. Um, part of the struggle for me was I didn't really feel that on his side. 
because I was like, ah, you know, people are kind of nice to him. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like he's really being that mistreated, but I'm being asked to believe he is. And his speech at the end supports that, right? Like, this is mm-hmm. what happens when X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, those things didn't really happen. You know, you were being supported up until a point. Um, so yeah, it's just one of the many like <clears throat> spots where I was like, a, it was close. It was close to something for me. But in the end, I was like, oh, it just didn't, none of it really landed. None of it really impacted me in, in, yeah. in the way I hoped it would have, which that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not the guy to take anyone's um, experience of a movie away from them. But yeah. it, it's just, it, gets, it becomes troubling to me. Okay, so there's the part, so this maybe I'll challenge you here on, Great. Uh, I get that there's this part that you're saying where on the one hand, I'm not really buying it, uh, and I really wish it would have been maybe more ballsy by, you know, more of a gut punch, right, to really see him turn in a way where I really was genuinely sympathetic with him. But then you're saying it's kind of troubling. I, I, you sort of oscillate from being kind of like, oh, this is a little bit troubling to like, oh, this is just kind of like boring or or mm, storytelling that doesn't really work so well. So which is it? Like, yeah, I guess. So it's 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 the um, for me, it's the it's the response I've seen online specifically, you know, which, again, that's 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 the Joker doing the Joker's thing. But um, particularly from comic book fans, I've seen a very visceral, like, no, this is deep mm-hmm. response that I'm like, really? Like, it, I don't, I don't get it. So like, help me, f- help me see the depth I'm not seeing it, it, is part of that. And then, um, so the response is the troubling part that pe- that those people are responding as though this were so deep and profound and meaningful in this way. Yeah, which then enables this level of um, of like the whole movie's worth celebrating, right? It is a thing of of beauty. Mm-hmm. Like my fear is that these narratives are going to enable the people who can't distinguish um, between the horror of the violence mm-hmm. and the celebration of violence because, because, oh yeah, this is the best story that's ever been told. He's totally justified. And you know, the, I, I literally just saw one of these postings on online yesterday of like, um, you know, the, the, the stairwell scene, yeah, which is a transcendent moment of freedom, but a pathological version of that. Where he's going down uh, when he's dancing, or the one inside what? of Arkham when he's opening the full. He's 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 fully the Joker coming oh, down the, the stairs dancing. in the purple yeah. suit, dancing. We've got um, uh, Gary Glitter. Is, Gary is Glitter, rock and roll part two. Gary Gary Glitter shining, and you know I see people pushing that as like this is exceptional, what the greatest moment ever, and to me that is celebrating the wrong kind of freedom and that's where i get disturbed and then i see this narrative being built up to kind of justify that yeah i would share your disturbance of the on that this is where i think i'm 
I am the comic book fan, but like this kind of version of celebrating the Joker to the degree that it's out there, like I kind of don't I don't like this either. Like I I don't think he deserves being celebrated in these moments of of his transformation. I think he he deserves being uh feeling re- repulsed. I in my experience was I was transfixed and repulsed by him. Like when he started to do this, I was just like, dude, don't do it. Like, like, I don't want you to go there. Like I felt kind of violated by him. Yeah. That's the, that's where I feel like they blew it. Not being as ballsy as they could have been, because I think they net left enough leeway that someone without your depth could go through the movie and not have that level of revulsion for him. Mm. Right. They, they worked pretty hard to keep his badness within a certain range. Yeah. Without blowing out the, Oh my God, there's no way I can fucking celebrate that. He just killed that woman and her daughter. Right. Which would cause like a real system shock, I think in a way that, you know, I think would have been quite potent and powerful as a film and hitting hitting certain people where they're at so to speak my fear is they didn't make that contrast enough because one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you was you were the only one i really saw vocalizing that perspective of it was like watching a horrifying train wreck yes i was repulsed the whole time i've been looking for that um but haven't quite found it in the same way, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't found people, many people with my take either, which is there's a part of me that's like, I want to compile this and put it together because like, I just don't like there's the people I think A.O. Scott's a little bit like, ah, this is boring. It's not worth talking about. And like, and there's some other people that are like, pay attention to the the disaffected mentally ill people and it's like if i were to kind of like just separate that particular one out the kind of the one the the people really polarized about especially before the movie came out like is this going to inspire incel type violence i was like i could i could actually see the concern like this wasn't one of these was like oh this is baloney i wasn't super concerned by it after i saw it but i could understand the concern especially if you ended the movie thinking he was great instead of horrible. Um, but then that as just a social issue, I do kind of care about that kind of thing. I mean, I've you and me have done some men's work and I know what it's like to talk with men who like the social world is confusing or the dating world is confusing, yeah. and the kind of resentment and this kind of blame that they put, you know, like the nice guy or whatever put on the world around them. They feel like they deserve something for how nice they've been, right? And they are have this chip on their shoulder and they're willing to, you know, go out and shoot people. To You know, it's very, very few of them do, right? But like, you've, you know, we've at least seen the Santa Barbara shooter, you know, really spell this out. And this is why he's going to shoot people. And I'm like, and I'm like, I feel like, I feel compassion for that. I don't feel a kind of elitist woke like sort of disdain for oh poor white dudes like totally how tough do they have and i'm like no those people that's a that's a genuine thing that that's hard for them 
right? Yeah, and it doesn't mean it's the only hard thing out there. But back on the Joker, like, it's... um, If you just read in this interpretation and think this is, like, the profound social message of it, I think... I think you've been tricked by the Joker. I mean, that's because I think it's a comic book. Like, yeah. He, yeah like, I, he, you kind of get And that's I'm where I'm like, no, totally. But that's where I'm like, then, okay, was this the movie to make at this point in time? Ah, you yeah. Know, like, like, legitimately, there, there's, you know, tensions are high. There's, there's already a lot of division. You know, I work with men every day. I see what they get from both sides. And, you know, the again, you know, for me, it's like the coolest moments in the movie are celebrating him in mm-hmm. in his full chaotic jokerness, you know, mm-hmm. dancing down the stairs on top of the car, painting himself with blood, having just seeded chaos. Like what the film chooses to celebrate is that, you know, that's. It literally creates pleasure. I, you know, I know I can notice it in my in my system in my body, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm like, oh, guys, you just made a comic book movie, but I think it's kind of irresponsible without taking those extra steps, which would have been just as conflicting and would have been a very different experience to really show us in his world and you know as a, a real point of view, like take a stand on a point of view of what type of environment would actually create this type of person in our culture, not in a comic book, but in our culture. Um, and then guide me through that journey. So I actually have to have that oh, moment of this, yep. this man I was with just got pulled away from me. And fuck, is that really happening in our world? Yeah. What's interesting is I, I I'm trying to think like, if I sort of say, this is, let's say this is like, Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver or something equivalent to that. Then it's a story about that, right? It's not a story about Joker. And that would have been a very, very different movie in my, in my experience. And it could have been timely in a way. Sort of like, let's pay attention to this social issue in a way that's a little bit more responsible or something like that. And it's easy for me to imagine the exact type of movie you're talking about and for me to celebrate that movie also. Um, mm-hmm. Then I start to think, could that have worked and had it still been about Joker? And I don't know if it could have been. It's a little bit weird because yeah. it was like, um. so I'll talk, I'll talk about my conversation with my cousin. Like he yeah. actually was compelled to feel pity and um, whatever you want to call it, just a soft place for Joker. Empathy. Empathy. And he's like, but I didn't want to. I didn't. He, he sort of disliked the movie because it made Joker sympathetic in that way. He's like, I don't want to feel sympathy for Joker. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting because it didn't work in creating I mean, it teased me with feeling sympathy for him in moments, for sure. And I did, I think, in moments feel sympathy. But in the end, uh, I felt trolled. I felt fucked with. Uh, Not like I like not like about the Joker. So, 
Yeah. Okay, so it, is it the right time to create that? So we, we just have these two different kinds of movies. This is the one that we got. We could just say that could be a good movie. Also, I'm going to see if I can just to play devil's advocate here, like literally devil's advocate, like he is the trickster archetype, right? So let's just say my take is closer to the take uh, or closer to author intention. If there is one here that is close to what I'm saying, like, okay, this is different, right? It's like, I'm, if I think of the trickster archetype, it's like, I am seeing the part of me that wants to rationalize when I act out based on my resentments. Like I am willing to make up any story to tell myself that I am justified in being a dick because I've been treated unfairly. It's like a, it's like a victim malevolence, right? It's like the, yeah, the Joker will weave and tell you whatever it is he thinks you want to hear to get you to be either confused or accept that what he's doing is justified. Even if it's pretty paper thin. Yeah. And that is what I felt like I encountered the kind of malevolence of that energy, right? The trickster will take any shape. That's what he does. And I kind of felt like that's what the movie was doing. Ah, you want to read in about me too. You want to read in about race. You want to read in about incels. You want to read in about this. Don't care. I don't care. Fuck you. Like, but that I could see as socially irresponsible in our cultural moment right now. Um, but it, if I just look at it from an archetypal way, it certainly did that for me. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think where it rubs me then the wrong way is I feel like it celebrates that. It actually celebrates that archetype. That's where I find it troubling. Something like Taxi Driver, Uh you can identify with him. You can see him go through an experience, but it doesn't actually celebrate it, right? Like, and again, the, the very last shot of the movie to me was like, Oh, okay. Like we're going to, you know, he murdered the social worker in the prison after possibly admitting this whole thing is a made up joke. Yep. And then we see him hilariously running back and forth through the hall being chased by people like, yeah. Ha ha. Great. The Joker. Right. Right. Like to me, that was the feeling they put in us to walk out of the theater with, Hmm. which Again, to me, is like I, I love the idea of the trickster, uh, and I think you're totally right. I actually think from that perspective, it's very, very effective if that's the main read. But I don't even, I didn't even experience it fully as going for that read. I experienced it as the Joker's fucking cool. Yeah, you know that. And that's really that. the energy I walked away from. Is the Joker's cool? He made up this whole story. Um, he's celebrated in his thing. The music is there, and now he's in Arkham Asylum, and, and he's cool. And that's where um, I was actually aching for, and it's not maybe fair to ask this of a comic book movie, of something a little deeper of like, okay, they want to do a gritty take. What would it be like to have a Joker movie with, you know, I I mentioned like violence handled like Cronenberg would would handle it. Mm. Or when violence happens on the screen, it viscerally feels uncomfortable, right? Like, if you've ever seen like a history of violence, when it happens, it's mm. like 
whole theater stops like and it's not even and i would have loved that actually i mean i would have loved it in the sense like that's a movie that's using the delivery mechanism of comic books to bring some depth to something and you know i have a predisposition because obviously as an aspiring filmmaker I want to try I want to try to use this vehicle to bring a little more depth into the world. Yep. Yeah, I I think I think I'm getting where you're coming from. It's it feels like if I if I go there with you again, it seems like you're arguing for another movie that would yeah, also which isn't be good. Fair. Right, and it, it's yeah. fine. But this one but I, but you your experience of this one of him being so cool was also not something that I experienced. So like I have to kind of leap a little bit into your. It, I mean, it. I, but I get like my experience of it is like he's daring me to think he's cool. He's daring me to like him. Yeah. But like I can't do it, even though part of me wants to. Wanted something to like that. That which I think super worked in in a way right like he somehow you know the other thing joker does is he just enrolls people right he's not like a solo villain walking around he always has cronies and armies or circus freaks or whatever like yeah like he magnetizes them like it's part of what he which does, is happening <laughs> which is kind of totally kinda like oh dude oh no like i can't let myself like you but like Mm, you're daring me to to like you. Yeah, yeah. So in that, so this all these things that you're saying was kind. It's kind of funny. I feel like everything you're saying. I'm like, yeah, that's partly why it works, right? Like, yeah, I get it, and that's why it works for me. Yeah, but it's that's a, why it landed yeah, for you. Yeah, which is why I think it's amazing because I think it it actually aligns. I mean, maybe I'm bringing in a lot of. Um, whatever intertextuality from my knowledge of Joker in other places or other mediums or something like that. But it's consistent with what I would expect him to do. If I accept it as kind of a very distorted tale. Now the, the one thing you brought in about the flashbacks and whether that framing device at the end is him just telling the whole thing as a giant joke. Yeah, we don't know. We don't we don't really know. And I can sort of see how you're kind of like, uh, well. The movie, the movie, even the movie's construct fucks with you because you're like, well, if they're going to do that flashback where so- Sophie's not there and it's going to be like. Uh, yeah, what was the other movie that did that? <laughs> Sixth Sense? No, 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 no. Yeah, Sixth Sense did do that. But the, the guy, um, oh, it was one of my favorite movies of all time. Brad Pitt. It's like he wasn't even there, right? Like, uh, oh, Fight, Fight Club, Club, right? And, it's, and there's that moment yes. where he's like, oh, that was. Yeah, but then, totally. but then it's like, okay, this is him reala- realizing. I don't know. It, it doesn't quite add up. I, I get it. Like, it's not like Fight Club lands that interpretation clearly. And again, this one yes. does not, according to the language of film, quite do it. In which case, you're kind of sitting back, especially as a filmmaker yourself going hey if you're trying to do this you're not it's not working and if you're trying to do that it's not working you know and i'm like mm-hmm. that's what the joker would do and that's what i say right like- <laughs> <laughs> totally i could appreciate i i can appreciate your your uh yeah your joker uh 
your your understanding of that archetype. Yeah. And there's a pleasure for seeing them enact something true to his character from your your perspective, which uh, feels good to kind of get a deeper take of that. Yeah. Um, which I hadn't been seeing so much online. Um, and yeah, you know, I'll be very curious to see how this one continues to unfold, um, you know, particularly as it embeds more and more in culture mm-hmm. and discussions continue, continue to grow from there. You know, they've, they've said it's just a one-off I hope so. and that was it. But again, the text of the movie doesn't support that because they insert this incredibly obnoxious scene with the Waynes, um, potentially queuing something up which is like really yeah. <laughs> really guys you had had to put that in there yeah um but uh you know i'll be curious for sure how it continues to to unfold and how all these movies do because you know the other thing like i said at the beginning is there's always been a certain level of violence baked into cinema right mm-hmm. people smoke and shoot guns in movies because it literally gives them something to do it creates motion in the frame yeah. which is what so much of filmmaking is about. And, you know, I'm particularly in the same way I was kind of wary about the Joker. As soon as they announced it, I was like, oof, what are they going to do with Matrix 4? Like, are they going to make another gun porn movie, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years in, in a, such a different cultural concert, context? Or are they going to actually explore some new ideas? And I have a genuine fear they're just going to do more gun porn. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, ah, but go somewhere new, go somewhere new, yeah. do something else. Well, let me ask you something about this, like just, um, you know, kind of in a more general discussion of like violence in media, violence in video games, violence on movies like this one, like. Yeah, I have a hard time buying into the kind of I think the whatever research is either flimsy or even doesn't support that, like it encourages it. I mean, it's even in spite of people writing up ways that they were influenced by it. I'm like, yeah, but you got, you got to talk about all the millions of kids who, you know, p- play these, don't. play these games that don't do it. Right. And they, but they're playing them all the time. What, what is that doing for their psyches? And I'm like, I kind of think in a way, at least for me, like to, to encounter it in the comfort of a movie theater, like how I experienced Joker. It's like, I'm, I'm having the, the archetype inside myself, like resonating really strongly, like this visceral. It's like I'm seeing a demon on the screen and then I'm feeling that demon's energy in my body. And I'm just like, yeah, whoa. And that feels like something. And that is partly enjoyable. But then I kind of leave that movie and then I like. And I kind of go like, ah. That's nutritious for my soul because I got to do it here, you know, or like totally. when I do it in men's circle versus I'm, you know, doing it with my girlfriend who's being so, yeah, I'm so upset at her. Right. It's like, oh, no, like it feels like I'm uh, having achieving dominion over those energies through the expression or engagement with. I mean, even if it is something like a gun porn, but I mean, like something like like a taxi driver or even Tarantino movies like the there's there's some ways that the the violence feels it feels pretty raw or more real. And I'm kind of like, oh, I'm affected by it in a way that is 
this kind of mix of pleasure and pain, but it does feel overall, it's, this isn't making me more into a violent person with more violent thoughts. It's actually helping me. This is the catharsis theory, I guess, like to just let it happen. Totally. I, and there's even some research, you know, that I feel like shows some of this stuff to be true. Um, you know, I think particularly with sexual assault and availability of porn, mm-hmm. I think they have some research that it actually goes down. Mm-hmm. Is it just guys don't fucking leave the house? Um, right. And, you know, I, I mean, it's been interesting for me because, yeah, I was absolutely raised on all this stuff. I saw Robocop 2 when I was like nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up, I literally <laughs> just saw with one of my men's groups the other day, Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, <laughs> which I was raised on. And I was shocked how violent it was. Mm-hmm. Like the end scene is just like, holy crap. And then they make jokes about it. They like make jokes that they just slaughtered this guy. I was like, holy shit, how did I, how did I miss that? And I've played, you know, all the GTAs and all the games and I don't feel like it impacts me. Um, But there is obviously a concern around it. And my concern is not so much, it's it's weird. It's such a fine line. Um, Not so much that it'll like inspire people to go out and, and recreate such violent things, but that it, it like neuters it in a way that just kind of numbs us to mm. it in the way we're already numb to shootings. We're already numb to walking down the street. Like there's a, because it doesn't fully land with the impact in a lot of these movies of like, you know, it, fucking so many movies are guilty of this, the, you know, getting a fist fight and there's like punch and punch and punch. And it's like, wow, in the real world, two of those and you'd have a concussion and be in the hospital. Right. Like, like how a real fight works, right. which is, you know, part of what I love about some of those Cronenberg movies where it's like one thing is like, holy shit, that really made an impact. Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable. Um, but there's just kind of that like, it's no big dealness. Desensitization. That it seems. Yeah, that I think just at some level it kind of does. Like I love, I mean, what I heard you speaking towards was almost, um, you know, how they kind of do certain types of deity yoga is in a way taking on, you know, I think it's one of the great gifts of cinema to take on a perspective that's not our own and get to move that energy through our body, through our nervous system, and then put it back and go back to our house. Like, I think that's the great, the great gift. And that's where I just have a personal preference. I'm like, man, I just fucking wish they'd really gone for it with Joker. Really done something disruptive to culture that like legitimately left people in a very altered state of of discomfort like that would have been that's just my personal fantasy sure. as to what that could have been sure i mean instead we as did we did to, get something though like the culture is yeah, legitimately is in a state of chaos about the movie that's very very true so it, it did <laughs> uh, you know i think i'm mapping my and i own this i'm mapping my own predilections mm-hmm. for certain types of media over others sure and it's like okay it did you know uh, your cousin definitely had an experience you definitely had an experience that it does map to kind of i think some authorial intent that um is very very powerful if i if i switched into a place where i feel concerned like i'm now kind of like if I, if i stick with the trolling interpretation uh, like the sowing of chaos is the re- is what is actually the point, not the sympathy for the person. And then if I go, okay, well, do I have a concern about that? I kind of, I kind of do. Like, 
I'm trying to animate uh, Steel Man kind of where where does this resonate with me? Like there is something that's taking place in online troll culture, especially if you go to like anonymous boards, like the Chans, for example, um, or this, or even the way Trump tweets and that like, there's a certain way that like trolling has become normalized where it's like, is is this comment? Is it really racist? Is it pl- plausible deniability? Oh no! Oh, you, I got you. You think that I'm being racist? Yeah, that's on you. And it's like, and you can kind of just sprinkle. It's like, um, it's 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 like the. I think when postmodernism first became a thing, it was kind of, oh, this is kind of clever. Isn't this kind of cool? Oh, am I being sincere? Am I being ironic? Oh, you can't tell. Isn't that cool? And you're like, oh yeah. However, yeah. when you, it's the perfect cover for this kind of giant collective id of trolling that is fake news and the chans and like mind viral like things that people are injecting into the social media algorithms and i'm kind of like this is really actually fucking with people's ability to even be on the same page as to what's really happening in our world today and that is a little disconcerting for me. There's like a, a it's not even like a, a, a crisis of meaningfulness. It's actually a crisis of being able to make sense of the world around us right now. Totally. To even have some grounding. Right. In commonality and reality and facts. And I actually love the way you put that because I think um, that would have been another way they could have maybe anchored it for me mm. is made it a comment on trolling. Right. Like, again, they didn't take a they they seemed to celebrate his trolling Mm -hmm. was the what I walked away with that movie from his big smile. You wouldn't get the joke. Swell the music. Walk off bloodstained steps. Funny chasing uh, the whole thing. Ha ha ha. Trolling is funny. Right. And that's where I'm like, fuck. Right. Is that what we need right now? Uh, I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But to even like create that grand thing and then just, you know, comment on it a little bit. But that's where, to me, the economic incentive of a comic book movie conflicted with the potential of that actual story because you want it to be a pleasurable enough experience that you will tell your friends and family, you should go see this. Not, oh my God, that was the most intense thing I've ever sat through. You should really be cautious about walking into the theater if you're someone that, you know, has sensitivities or traumas. Yeah. Yeah. The economic incentive thing. Is, I mean, this is a giant can of worms, which we're probably not going to get into here entirely. But like this is, I don't know. I, I kind of want to check in with you as a film guy. Like I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I, I love looking at literature through an archetypal lens. I, I kind of think about like, Okay, much of the modern populace doesn't really buy into uh, the religious myths in a literal way as much anymore. But there's like a little bit of like a religion shaped hold that's happening where people are kind of losing a sense of meaning. But mm-hmm. I, I think comic book movies like I, I've been to Comic-Con many, many times and you can go to all these sessions. You can go watch your favorite movie star celebrity, but you could also go to like the, the tiny little session in the little room where people talk about the um, mythological uh, analysis of what 
these things are. And I'm like, it, it kind of is. They are like the the gods. They are like these stories that are thousands of years old. And they're plugging into the same place. And they're doing it at a massive scale. It kind of is hijacking the role of religion if you look at it badly or it's just fulfilling the role yeah. of religion if you look at it from a, a, a positive point of view um but it is a little tainted with the commercialism as well like so i kind of sometimes feel mixed i mean i i go pretty far down the road of like this is really cool it's teaching us sort of moral lessons right like who's your favorite superhero what did you learn from their character's journey or how iron man learned how to not be a dick or whatever like that kind of thing yeah no i think there's i totally agree i mean they're filling a huge vacuum in our culture of archetypes and stories and myth that um i mean it's clearly crushing it i mean disney is becoming probably as big as the bible right sure. <laughs> like they're, they're hitting that level bigger than jesus yeah, i think it's seven out of the ten highest grossing movies this year will be disney uh so they're opening a streaming service because they can't keep competing with themselves at the theater so they gotta keep growing the pie in a different way. Um, but I think that's where even in the instance of this, it's like in those traditional myths, if you like, let's say Loki, you know, one of the tricksters that I think a lot of comic book fans would be um, aware of mm -hmm. um, those original narratives were he was in contrast to something. Mm -hmm. Right. So he, he was meant to help tell a grander story. And that's a piece that I kind of feel like is missing here. That normally Batman, for better or worse, would kind of be a version of that. Mm -hmm. And so we're just getting the trickster celebrated in, in, a, in, in a way is kind of I saw it. And that's again, we're just like, is this really the moment <laughs> where we just sure. want to be yeah. celebrating the trolls and then, you know, creating imagery and. I feel like we could probably make a fair bet, you know, five years from now, a bunch of guys that are in college, this will be a very popular poster on the walls. Oh, yeah. Like very, right? Like very, very Next popular year in, in that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's just such an interesting question of like, how do you tell some of these tales in a way when you're hooked into all these other systems and this juggernaut? I mean, you know, the part of me that is actually um, kind of fascinated by Todd Phillips mm -hmm. was he found a way to make a $80 million gritty noir and get it released in theaters in 2019, which is fucking impossible. Yeah. You know, he, he used the Joker comic book thing to kind of prop up a different type of film he wanted to shoot. Um, and... and to me, that's a little concerning in its own right, because it's like, oh, man, is everything have to be expressed through comic book now? Like, it's kind of headed that direction in terms of at least out at the theater, that communal experience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, fuck, there's so much here. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I feel mixed about it, too. But it's, it's like whatever that auteur cinema thing from the 70s, which is this is clearly even the color palette and everything is made to just look like one of those kinds of movies, like one of these Scorsese's. Uh, but if you made one of those today, no one would go see it. But if you make one and like attach it to this IP, then tons of people go see it. 
And I'm like, is that good or bad? I think it's actually kind of, I sort of, maybe I'm just this, I always look on the bright side kind of guy, but like, I think that's kind of cool. I think it's cool that people are talking about these things. Even if the messaging of the movie is more of this trolling and chaotic, like Rorschach thing where you can read in all kinds of things. People are talking about those things. Yeah. 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 I mean, he found a way to, to make the movie he wanted to make, which is fucking super inspiring by tacking it on to, you know, this IP, this property. Um, and to that, I got to fucking give the man mad credit. Yeah. For just what it takes to get anything made these days. And um, to me, then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. If you're going to hook something on to this whole engine of comic books, give it some, give it a little more meat. You know, those are my favorite movies. Though. Have the meat, have the depth, and have the mainstream. That like when that can all be nailed, and it's pretty rare for it to happen, but I, I think it's such an exceptional delivery mechanism. And that's where I'm like, okay, what did we just deliver with that though? Mm-hmm. You know, what what a bit of of culture did we really deliver and, and double down on? Um, and that might just me being being a sensitive <laughs> Hollywood liberal wingnut. <laughs> yeah. My sensitive Hollywood liberal wingnut when I need one, Jason. <laughs> but yeah. l- let me just ask you as a filmmaker, like, what do you see now? Like, I think this blows it wide open. Like, M- whatever, MCU just finished the Infinity Saga, and they're going to keep trying to do kind of more of the same. And as much as the DCEU tried to, like, mimic that, they kind of bombed, and it kind of sucked. And it's yeah. like, but okay, we're just going to go do something different. Like in the history of comics, I think it was really 1986. It was kind of the this pivotal year to the dark age of comics. And, you know, it was uh, the Dark Knight Returns came out. Watchmen came out. Mouse came out, won the Pulitzer. And it was this big deal. And I think in some ways this you could potentially see Joker as uh that moment i think also the boys i don't know if you've seen the boys on uh amazon is is a i haven't but i've definitely heard of it it's a similar i think people like uh, okay i i I, maybe we've had enough of the straight popcorn sugar version of of whatever superhero tales are are to tell and people are like now with joker they're like wait a minute you can do this with the IP, it was sort of like, you know, when Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns, it was like, you could do that with Batman? It was like, and it was like, yes, you yeah. can. So uh, my question for you, like, do you see, even if you don't like what Todd Phillips did, the content of it, just the thing that he was able to pull off as a kind of, even like a hopeful trajectory for Hollywood to like expand this tent of, whatever you want to call this comic book movie juggernaut to actually include like a genuine diversity of art and themes and etc. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, it's no coincidence that HBO just launched Watchmen on Sunday night, oh, yeah. you know, which is an updated version of that as well. And I think attempting some of this, um, you know, I would say it actually already started though, just more in the, the bright shiny version with Marvel where they started expressing genre through comic book movies, you know, civil war was like a spy or not civil war. Um, 
Winter Soldier. Wow. It was like a spy thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the time heist and kind of Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. You know, they're starting to play with some of these different things because like, yeah, we can only see some like fucking origin stories the same way. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would love if that's where it headed, but I honestly just don't have faith in the industry because even even his version had all this stuff crammed in again that had to keep it within a certain certain range. And I mean, I love comic book stuff, but yeah, fuck yeah, I'm totally fatigued. And so much money is going into them now that less films are being made, period. Like right. just just period to to penetrate. Um, and, you know, again, this is because now we have to compete with Facebook and media and streaming and all these different things YouTube. to a much deeper conversation about the economy that, you know, it's only these event level things that can make. And I actually get super sad about that because I'm like, fuck, are we ever going to see an original IP be the highest grossing film again? No, like it's done. That, that's just done. It'll never be that way again. I, I, I'd be shocked uh, to see that happen again in our lifetime. And to me, that gets, I just get sad. Cause like, I love when new worlds are created, you know, really Pixar is about the only one doing it now. Um, and even them, you know, they're 60% sequels at this point. Um, you know, I think it would be cool. Like I've always had that fantasy, uh, like in some ways, and maybe comic books do the thing that they could never do with like James Bond. Where it's like, what if it wasn't mid-tier directors doing James Bond? But you know, what if Sam Mendes had been the beginning of a trend where it's like, how would Steven Spielberg do a James Bond movie? Hmm. How would um, Ang Lee do a James Bond movie? And we just use that vehicle to express these wildly different directorial styles. That may happen here, you know, I would hope. But because they have so much money riding on them, you know, I think it's the same reason. Um, what's the what's the guy who was supposed to do Ant Man? Oh, I don't know. Um, he did, yeah, yeah. He did like Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's okay. um, great, great director. But he was attached to Ant Man for a long time, but he genuinely wanted to make a weird Ant Man, and Marvel was like, nope. So they kicked him out, and they got a much more generic director who kind of cookie cuttered them into a certain template. Um, so, I mean, I have genuine concerns, particularly with Disney right now, that there's just no stopping. There's, just, there's no stopping. You know, they can put out something like The Lion King, which I thought was garbage this year. And it made so much fucking money. So much money. And we're just going to, you know, and I guess that's the tale as old as time. is just retelling old stories over and over and over. But uh, Hollywood has always done that, right? I mean, even The Wizard of Oz, we all know and love, was like the fourth version of it like and that was like 1940s or something totally and then you and i got we're lucky to kind of come up in a time where a whole bunch of original shit came out true like boom 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 that totally changed the game forever but it's like man even something like fucking jaws we will never see a movie like that again in the theaters like when you actually watch that movie you're like what fucking kind of movie is this is it a brotherhood tale? Is it a horror movie? Like, there's a lot happening in there that, um, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and maybe get some stuff like that on Netflix. Um, I would have had more faith in what you're saying, honestly, had they not tacked in all that fucking Batman stuff. Where I was like, really? You got to show the, the most shown scene in cinema? You're going to give us another take of the yeah. pearls? Like, Why? Tell me why that is there. It's like, oh, because people, Batman makes That's money. Right. Um, 
I imagine Todd Phillips fought to probably not have that movie. I don't know. Uh, I'd be hmm. very curious to know how something like that emerged. Um, Cause I imagine that wasn't in a script he wrote, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I, let's hope, you know, I have some, I even with, you know, seeing what the Joker opened up and certainly the potential they have in um, the multiverse of madness with Dr. Strange coming up, which they announced. I was like, that's a fucking great title. Give me a legitimately weird, yeah. you know, body horror multiverse movie. And okay, I'll see another Marvel film. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll keep go going. I mean, I guess the other question here is like, yeah, it does seem like the, the big, big stuff has just been taken over by really more safe, repeatable, bankable things. But then on the other hand, like we're in this weird golden age of TV and YouTube, like there really is a tremendous amount of stuff. Like I can't even keep up. People are like, have you seen this TV show? I'm like, I haven't even heard of that TV show. Like, what what are you watching? And I'm just totally. like, there's hundreds of them now. Yeah, I mean, all the best talent has absolutely moved. Storytelling has moved to long form serials. Like, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, what that brings up for me is the bigger question of like, yeah, we're we're already at peak. I mean, you know, within a year and a half, Netflix could queue up probably eight thousand hours of entertainment for you that you liked, no matter what. Which brings on like a much bigger question of, okay, so. When an algorithm can deliver you something that hits all your pleasure, serotonin, dopamine responses nonstop for the rest of your life. Then what? What then? You know, then what are we feeding people? You know, uh, what messages are really coming through? um, I think is super interesting because I don't even fucking have a TV. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I could even watch a show right now. Like, where's the time go? Like, there's like eight things I want to watch. But I'm like, that's like. 180 hours of my life. Um, this is one of the reasons I love, like I'm still attached to film. It's like two hours going in, I'm out, mm. done. <laughs> right? There's like a, a different kind of freedom with that other than, fuck, if I start that first episode, I'm going to get so addicted and then I'm probably going to stay up all week and my life's going to be... I, I don't personally have the self-control to like regulate that kind of stuff. I just don't. It's, it's one of the reasons I had to stop video games. It's super normal too, stimulus. Like, I can't believe how, I mean, I go back and watch something from my childhood. Okay, this was cool or that was sort of memorable. But like, I'm like the original Star Wars blew my mind when I was a kid. But now I'm just like, yeah, this is pretty slow. But like, man, you watch a thing now and if it's good, I'm just like, I'm like, my attention is just like, this claws just reaching into my emotions and my mind and all this and i'm just like this is unstoppable entertainment i'm just like this is so amazing like it's really it's it's a little bit crazy i i I would agree it's just like they've figured out how to and the algorithms will give you you the exact one that you're going to respond to and and then it's it's so weird yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it gets, gets kind of mind-blowing to think of soon. And that's where I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm glad there's people like you and other people who, you know, are versed in the world of development. And okay, when we have people's attention four hours a night, what are we really doing? Yeah. Right. What are we really going to be doing there? Because uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest 
my hope would be leverage points of growth. Right? It's pretty fucking hard to convince someone to meditate. Very easy to convince them to, hey, watch the show on Netflix. Yeah. You know, so like, what are we pumping in into those systems? Um, and we don't really know, you know, how harmless is entertainment? How can it, can entertainment change someone? Fuck if I know. Yeah. If you bring in the interactivity and games, and I mean, this is a, a potentially a really huge discussion here, but like, I, I do think what we've been learning about psychology and development and interactive entertainment or transmedia forms of entertainment and it could put these could yeah. potentially be i mean my kind of prediction is this is just going to replace all work right people will just be creating and sharing and trading experiences with each other that are like this and like work just looks like playing and or creating something like a immersive video games and that's what people of the future will be doing mm, yeah that's i i told i totally buy that one reason i i buy it is sometimes it feels like work when i'm like oh, i gotta watch those four shows <laughs> like you know like my cue is growing faster than i can digest it it like i gotta right i gotta watch that i gotta catch up on the conversation yep. it's like it kind of is work already <laughs> Fuck well, yeah, Joker man. It was not well, work for me. It was great pleasure. But yeah, yeah. thanks for this was really fun. I had a great time. Yeah, man. Thanks for diving so deep and uh, giving giving such a um, responsible take on your experience in a way that, you know, helped me really kind of get it from a different angle than than I certainly walked into the theater for. Did anything shift for you like uh, through this conversation in particular? What's just your reflecting uh, reflection on the impact uh, of it? Um, I mean, honestly, just to remember that uh, just because I didn't have the experience doesn't mean other people didn't. Yeah. Like, didn't have that experience. I was actually aching for of that tension between being identified with someone and being horrified with them at the same time, yeah. which didn't land for me and what I desired out of the movie. But it's cool to hear, like, it did for you and it did for your cousin. Okay, so maybe I'm just not reading. Like that's actually encouraging to me as opposed to some of the things I've seen on Twitter, you know, which or the whole mess that is social media. But like, okay, maybe it is lining with people in that way. And it is actually doing a number of the things, you know, I tell myself a story I could have done sure. better if I did a version <laughs> of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it got me a little... A little more concerned about the, to the degree it promotes the fragmentation of sense making and with the trolling and that part did not. I, I think I kind of caught a whiff of a potential harm that I had not put my finger on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how, yeah, totally. And it's like so almost there, which is the really fascinating thing about the movie of. Was he manipulated? You know, there is that question. Was his mother manipulated? They, they just kind of don't linger on it enough to really pop it in, in my mind. But it, it is a, it's a fucking can of worms. So good, man. We got to do this again with some other video games and other stuff. Cool. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness for the amazing intro and outro song. 
check them out. <laughs>